Not much mattered about the 2021 baseball season in Pittsburgh. Certainly not in any collective way. But there's one, one component that does mean something toward what they're constructing in the future. And it's another reason to believe of the five that I'm sharing this week. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. The Pirates finished number one in the majors in fielding percentage. Did you know that? Fewest errors? That's something. That is not nothing. That is not a meaningless stat because they didn't do this or they didn't do that. And the main reason that I say that is defense is what? It's fundamentals. Fundamentals are, for the most part, taught and not inherited. Sure, it helps if you have God-given athletic ability, if you have quick feet, quick hands, quick reflexes, and you have some smarts to you. Those are all things that come from the womb. But when you're talking about executing at the top level of the sport and doing it better than anyone, at least when it comes to making mistakes or not making mistakes, there's all kinds of defensive metrics out there. And all, all we're talking about with fielding percentages is errors or not errors. The Pirates were better than anybody at this in a 101-loss season. And because these are instructed and taught, the main credit for that actually goes to the field manager, Derek Shelton, of course, and his coaching staff, one of whom has already been fired. Another podcast for another day. That's Joey Cora, of course. Tarek Brock, the first base coach, was working with the outfielders, and presumably whoever it is that the Pirates will bring in to replace Cora, that hasn't happened yet, will be someone who's some kind of ace infield guy. The instruction that occurred in Pittsburgh was based on fundamentals that begin with Shelton, things that he's learned throughout his career, things that he in turn absorbed from his coaching staff and implemented, and the Pirates were installing these throughout the system. Now, what am I talking about here? Well, okay, let's take Yoshi Tsutsugo, who is not exactly your shining example. Yoshi shows up in Pittsburgh, and they have him play in a couple of different positions, neither of them remotely well, absolute train wreck in right field, at least less of a train wreck at first base. So what they did at first base, and a lot of this was Cora, was they taught him footwork elements that they have installed. Now, yes, things do get instructed in a player-specific way, as I was discussing earlier this week, throughout the system. But there are some things, as Shelton himself has allowed, that you want the player to know there is a way in this organization that we move our feet when we are, let's say, fielding a ground ball at first base, but you got to throw to second. Remember the whole Josh Bell 
horror show every time he faced that direction. But there's a way that they want to teach that. They did that with Colin Moran, who became so solid and dependable at first base that we forgot, I think all of us forgot, about all of his various struggles over at third and at other spots. They taught him first base on the spot, and he became part of a very, very reliable infield. When the ball was thrown over there, with a few exceptions, everybody's got exceptions, and we tend to remember those more vividly, he caught the ball. He was scooping it out. He became a good first baseman. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern, home of Steak on a Stone, which has to be experienced as well as eaten, comes to your table on an 800-degree stone, meaning the steak does. But it's not just steak. You can get shrimp, you get vegetables, you get other items from the menu that you can pick to be served to you this way, and then you finish off the cooking yourself. It's it's fun. I've got to admit to you, it's also a little bit uh, a little bit scary for those of us who aren't particularly adept in the kitchen. Visit North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. All of this is a glowing positive toward the future of the franchise. Because when you think about the teams that have been the most consistent in baseball, not necessarily the biggest winners, the biggest champions, but the ones who are always there, who do you think of? Who annoys you the most? Cardinals. Twins. These are the teams that have become known throughout the baseball industry as being the standard bearers for fundamentals. Sometimes undeservedly, sometimes just based on name or reputation alone or based on something that no longer exists. Like, I didn't watch the Cardinals this year and see a particularly fundamentally great team. They weren't very good in the field at all. But the Cardinals end up winning a million games in a row, and we all start talking, you know, at the end of the year, and we all start talking about how awesome they are and how it's just the Cardinals being the Cardinals. The Pirates have everything to gain from having A, the reality of fundamentals being instilled throughout their system and adhered to, and having certain standards that even a young prospect has to achieve in order to be accepted in this organization. But B, they also have something to gain from the perception. They really do. Let's not kid each other when it comes to what's valued more in this world anymore. It's way more about perception than reality. And if the Pirates are perceived as a team that does a lot of things right, that undoes a lot of negativity, both inside and outside the game. Inside the game, maybe it'll... Uh, help you keep some guys. I, I, I wouldn't say sign free agents. Free agents would never show up for something like that. But you might enjoy being part of a team that has some kind of winning culture, winning practice. And I'm not talking about in the standings here. I mean, you know, winning in terms of the way you do things. But it also could help, you know, just around here. I mean, everyone remembers the public reaction with the Will Craig fiasco and then Brian Hayes not stepping on first base, and these things get ultra 
magnified, especially when it's a team like the Pirates where even a lot of their own fans are so mad at them that they'd happily pile on. But having that change around here, there'd be some pride, I think, in Pittsburgh and having a baseball team that does things right. Long, long way from that. I don't mean to get ahead of things here. But this mattered. This was a reason to believe. This was a real thing. When we come back, just one question. Just one question, and that comes today from Eric Cup, who asks, who makes up the Pirates rotation next season? You know what I do every time, Eric, I think about next year's rotation? The first two words that pop into my head are Bryce Wilson. Not because I think he's special, but because he's the one guy I'm sure I'm going to forget in making a list. I'm not operating with a cheat sheet here in front of you, which I think might actually make this exercise more fun. But we're going to start with Bryce Wilson just to guarantee that I don't leave him out. Plus, he's a younger guy who's got some potential and there's no reason to not see what he's got. He can have basically the equivalent of his Chad Cool slash Will Crow opportunity here. You know, where you you know you're not going to have some fabulous rotation anyway. He's young enough. Uh, The Braves obviously liked him. Why not see what it is that he can do? He has not floored me. He has not floored me. So I don't say this in any kind of glowing way. I haven't seen great stuff from him. I I like some of his poise and his his confidence, but not the stuff. And by the way, as long as we're on the subject, Crow has earned himself at least a chance at that rotation. I didn't think I liked his stuff either. And then his last couple of starts in September, which really shouldn't be all that influential, but they're the last thing you see. He starts flashing this outstanding changeup and getting everybody out. And you're like, whoa, dude, you could have been doing this all year? Really? He's not overpowering, but he's got some stuff. And he's definitely got the whole poise slash confidence with an extra dose of moxie in there, too. So there's a couple right there. I am a JT Brubaker guy. I do not apologize for that. I do not look at the number of home runs, and there were millions of them that he gave up this year. I am a Brubaker guy factoring in that the most important thing that he had to do in 2021 was to A, show well, which he did early on, first couple months, best pitcher on the staff, and B, make it the whole way through the season, which he almost did. Almost because of the elbow injury uh, that was not a Tommy John, but he had an elbow injury that cost him 2019. 2020 was abbreviated for everybody, so he needed to get stretched back out. When he's on, he's going to be a good pitcher for this team. I'm not suggesting ace material or anything like that, but he's going to be a good pitcher. Then there's Mitch Keller. You know, one start, you feel like he's figured it out. The next start, you feel like, wow, really? Seriously, kid? And then it just goes on and on and on. He did seem to find some things out in the latter part of August and in through September. Unfortunately, when he found some of those things out, he still didn't get results. Um, You'd like to take him at his word that things were going better than what the numbers would suggest. Uh, But 
at some point or other, those numbers have to match whatever it is that he's feeling. It does look like Keller overcame his fear of throwing inside. He can thank Joel Hanrahan, who was just named yesterday the minor league pitching coach of the year in the system, arguably should be coaching the major league system. Mitch Keller is going to have a spot in the rotation unless he just completely implodes in spring training. So he's on there as well. From here, you start getting into, well, actually, before I get into those guys, there's Stephen Brault, who's going to be brought back. He's going to be the only lefty. The obvious question with him is his health. He just can't stay on the mound. And that also has to change. That's not a criticism. He's had some really, really rotten luck, but it has to change. <laughs> the rotten luck has to change. When you're looking at the rest of these guys, you're probably tossing a blanket over a bunch of youngsters. Max Kranick, Miguel Yahure, who is one of my picks to click here. Ruanzi Contreras, I believe, is going to start the season in AAA and be challenged to work his way up. And I have no doubt that Ben Charrington's going to go out and find himself a Tyler Anderson or two to try to smooth this whole thing out. You can't have a situation where you're just leaning on five or six kids. Um, it's it's not even workable with the way baseball goes now and these starters barely able to get you four or five innings. So I hope I answered the question. Um, you never know who could surprise uh, and you never know who might be added, but this is this is how it looks right now. And honestly, I don't think it's all that horrible. You know, I really don't. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one tomorrow.